Good morning. That's good. Can you do that louder? Good morning. That's better. <laughs> Thought I'd give you a little practice. All right. Appreciate the service so far this morning. Um, it's been a great blessing to think about the fact that that Jesus is supernatural in every way. He can walk on water. He can change the lives. He can make our hearts different. He's the ultimate one. And if he says walk on water, you can walk on water. Isn't that amazing? It's also a great blessing to think about the uh, children of Israel there with the uh, manna. And you know, God could have brought all those tractor trailer loads of manna and dumped it on one pile. Made it real easy for the children of Israel to go out there and scoop it up. You know? I mean, it wouldn't have been any big deal at all for Jesus, for God to take all the manna and put it on a heap. And they could have all gone out there, three quarts apiece, scoop, scoop, day's work's done. That's not how it works. And it's not how it works in our day today. Blessings don't all just get scooped up in one quick wish, you know. Blessings come by diligence. And work is a real part of our lives today. And uh, sometimes we lose sight of that. So that was very good. All right, so the title of my message this morning here for you is Blessed. I wonder what you think when you see that word blessed. What does that mean to you? Now, I thoroughly endorse this idea of interaction. Okay? Here's some opportunity. Children, what does it mean? I mean big children, too. What does it mean to be blessed? Or maybe you say blessed. Whether you say blessed or blessed doesn't really matter. What does it mean? Well off. Well off. All right. What else? Having plenty. plenty. Anything else? Contentment. Contentment. I like that. Did you study any Hebrew? No? No? Okay. How many of you might have a guess at where I'm going with this word? Where, where's my text this morning? Want to guess? That's right, Matthew 5. We call it the Beatitudes. Now, I'm sure you've heard, of, uh, heard many messages on the Beatitudes. I'm sure this is not the first message that you have heard on the Beatitudes. Um, most, of the Beati- most of the messages that I have heard on the Beatitudes, kind of run along this line. These are attitudes that you should have. The, you know, you should be these attitudes. You should be poor in spirit. And if you are poor in spirit, you will be blessed. How many of you have heard most of your messages like that on the Beatitudes? Is that the way it runs? Did anybody hear anything different? You did? Okay. How many else? More than one person? Two? Okay. Well, you're all going to hear a different message this morning. Because I'm not going to bring it that way, because I'm not sure that it actually means that way. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. But if you really think this way, you have to sort of bend these words around a little bit to make them fit. Because being poor in spirit, does that bless you, to be poor in spirit? Well, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Could you tell me that? 
Uh-huh. So now we have to start, you know, bending our definition of poor in spirit a little bit so that it fits a little bit. Right? So I've heard a lot of messages on that, and I'm not going to gainsay some of the things that, of some of the good principles that are involved in the way it's presented and everything, and if after you were done with this message, you still prefer to read it that way, that's fine, you know, uh, but maybe you'll see that it doesn't really say that. Is it really a blessing to mourn? Is it really a blessing when people revile you and say all manner of evil against you? Does that bless you? Brother Earl, when people criticize your ministry, does that bless you? 99% not. (laughs) So how shall we read this? Well, I... uh, I've been uh, raised all my life, I think, to mean to think that this really means just that way. You know, if you're poor in spirit, you will be blessed. That's how I was raised. But um, see, we look at this as a verb. We're looking at this as if you know, if you do, if you meet the qualifications, then you will be blessed as a verb, right? That's how a lot of people read this. But in actuality, in the original language, which I would I'd say would be Hebrew, uh, it was not, the word that was used there was not a verb. It was a noun. Now, we learn in English that, you know, a noun is the name of an action, a name of a person, place, or thing, action, quality, or condition, right? Well, this is a condition, you are, this is a condition that you will, fi- that you find yourself in. Now the interesting thing is that, to make this just a little bit harder, is that the, uh, word that is, that Jesus used originally when he said this to the people, was Ashure. Or I, I think I pronounced that wrong. Ashre, I think it is. Ashrei. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I don't know very much Hebrew. But I came across this idea, and I don't know how to write Hebrew, so I'm not going to write it in Hebrew, but I'm going to write down the sound of the word which I heard uh, in English letters so that you can sort of look at it and think about it and so on. So I would write it this way, and I don't, and I'm sure it isn't spelled this way. But just so you can kind of get a hold of it a little bit better, Ashrei, Ashrei, and it's how it's, I think it's pronounced. Again, I may be wrong because I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but uh, this concept here uh, intrigued me a little bit, and I and I thought I'd share it with you this morning. Now, Ashrei does mean blessed, but it means a lot more than blessed. You know, there's some words that just don't translate. You've, any of you who have uh, some multilingual background might know that, you know, there's some words that, well, there's just no English for that. Are you with me there? Okay. And ashray is one of those words that there just isn't an English word to say what it says in Hebrew. And so when it comes to translating this, it's like, how do we do that? There isn't an English word that carries everything. It's just not there. We don't have it. We don't have that concept in our English language. And so I'm sure they tangled over with it and finally decided that blessed would be the, the best word that would fit there. And so they put that down. But it means so much more than blessed. In the in the original language, it's sort of more like you are blessed no matter what it looks like, no matter what the circumstances that you're in or what you are like, you are fundamentally, absolutely, and over the top blessed. Now, 
You can't give me an English word for that, can you? I don't know one. I don't think it exists in English. But let's, let's get that concept here, first of all. That no matter what circumstance you are in, no matter what condition faces you, no matter what you have to put up with, you are enormously blessed, over-the-top blessed, more than you can imagine you are blessed. And it isn't conditional. It's not conditional. It is not conditioned by the fact that you are poor in spirit. You are blessed regardless of your circumstance. And even if that circumstance is one of those things that are less than what you wish. Such as being poor in spirit. Okay? In other words, another translation for poor in spirit would be discouraged. Really discouraged. I mean, you feel like what is the use? I might just as well give up, throw in the sponge, forget it. Do you ever feel like that? Well, it happens to all of us once in a while, doesn't it? Now, what Jesus was actually saying here is that no matter what circumstance you face, even if you feel like you're ready to just throw in the sponge and you are just like, I don't have any spirit to go on. I don't have any motivation. I, I'm done. Well, I want you to know you are, you are blessed over the top. I mean, your life, because of the kingdom of God, you have everything, even if it doesn't look like it. You have everything given to you, even if it doesn't look like it. Are you getting it? You see, let's just back up a little bit the context here. You know, this is the, Jesus said this at the beginning of his ministry. And if you will notice, uh, you know, in chapter 4 there, you will notice how he went and he called his disciples unto him. And he went throughout all Galilee. And what did he preach? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Or I should say the good news of the kingdom. He said, God has come to you. God is going to do everything to make your life rich and full and restored again. And all you need to do to get on board is repent of your evil ways. And I'm going to provide everything for you. That's an, that's an amazing idea right there. It's an amazing idea and an amazing promise that he said. And this is what he went throughout all their cities, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he healed people and, he, and the sick he raised, you know, off their beds. And, and the blind he made to see and the lame he made to walk. And the people followed him and followed him and followed him. And great crowds followed him. And there were people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from across Jordan. And they all followed him. Crowds and crowds of people. You read that in verse 25. There followed him, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 25. There followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond Jordan. This was heyday. This was the day when people wanted to see what this wonder miracle worker was doing and what he had to say. And, and they listened. 
And Jesus goes up into a mountain and sits down. And he said, okay, we're going to start right here. This is Kingdom 101. If you've ever wondered, one of the first things that you should know about the kingdom. I've been so intrigued about following this kingdom of this man, Jesus Christ. And if you've ever wondered where you start, well, why don't you start exactly where Jesus started? You know what he said? He said, now, the very first thing you want to, I'm going to put this in my own words. The very first thing I want you to understand about the kingdom is, you are blessed beyond measure, even if it doesn't look like it. Even if your circumstances don't look like you've been blessed, you are blessed. And if you know you're blessed, nothing shall be withholden from you. I mean, you've got the whole world at your, at your fingertips if you can understand the kingdom and be a part of it. Because God has blessed you. Okay. Let's move on. You are blessed. Even if you're discouraged this morning. Even if you're poor in spirit. And have no. No more breath left in you. Blessed too. Blessed are they that mourn. Are you really blessed when you get when you're mourning? <laughs> I may feel enormously blessed when you're mourning. No, not so much. Well, if you understand what he's saying is, it doesn't matter if you're mourning. I mean, mourning is a is a normal part of of our lives sometimes. And if you're mourning, that's okay. But just remember this: it doesn't matter what has just happened. You are enormously blessed because of the kingdom. <clears throat> blessed, even if you're mourning, even if your husband just died. You are blessed. Even if your wife just died. Or your son or your daughter. Or the dearest to you, whoever that might be, just died. Tragic accident. Oh, but you're blessed. In other words, zoom back just a little bit. You see, we are so, so self-centered that our lives are all wrapped around our little circumstance. But if you could just zoom out just a little bit, get back a little bit away from yourself and realize what God has given you in this kingdom that he has brought to you, everything else dwarfs. The kingdom of heaven is so wonderful and so magnificent and so far beyond you in every way. I don't care what has happened to you. It doesn't matter. You are enormously blessed. Regardless of what you have to face. Now I realize there are some things that cut our hearts. I'm not minimizing that. But what I'm saying is, in spite of anything that you could experience on earth, you are enormously blessed. That's what the word means. Number three, you're blessed if you're meek. <clears throat> I've heard a lot of definitions on that. I don't even think I'll go into all of those definitions. Some good thoughts along the line, but meek. What does it mean to be meek? Well, it means you have nothing to say. You're at a loss for words. You know, as a lamb before his shears is dumb, you know. You have nothing to say. I remember 
a friend of mine when we were. Um, sometimes some people have nothing to say quicker than others, you know. And there seems like some people never get to the place where they have nothing to say. You've heard, you know some people like that too, right? Well, I have a friend who rarely is at a loss for words. Just rarely. I mean, he always has something to say. He's always kind of running at the mouth. Still my friend. And when my son died, he came to, my, to the funeral. And he met me. And he said, Iron, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. You know why? Because not real long before that, he buried his father. And all the feelings and all the passions and all the heartache that he experienced when he brought buried his father came welling up within him and he had compassion for me and he said I have nothing to say you see that's the place we are sometimes all of us get to a place where we have nothing to say somewhere along the line now when you have circumstance that is so disruptive and so devastating I'm going to use that word so devastating that you have nothing to say oh then you're meek but I want you to remember that even in that circumstance when you have Absolutely nothing to say anymore. You are blessed. You are ashray. Now I put this up so you could grasp it a little bit. Because blessed just doesn't cut it quite. You understand? So we need another word, you know. We just So I'm going to borrow this word from Hebrew. And I've explained it a little bit to you. So when you are broken hearted and your heart is, is devastated and you have nowhere to go and you're falling apart. Oh, my friend. Ashray. Ashray. You are blessed. Zoom out a little. Get a grip. You're not going to fall apart. It's going to be all right. He's going to wipe away all sorrows, all tears from your eyes. You are ashray because of the kingdom of heaven. You know, you got to remember that. Because one of the things you ought to know is it's not all going to be flying high. It's not always going to look like you're blessed. But you are blessed. Even if it doesn't look like it. That's why it needs to be ashray. <laughs> See, this word just doesn't carry that idea even if it doesn't look like it, does it? It just doesn't, right? But in Hebrew it does. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Have you ever gotten to the place where you have given it your best and you still won't seem to make it? You have hungered and thirsted and tried and tried and tried to be righteous in every way. And yet you fail sometimes. Right? 
Well, if I can't, I mean, if it doesn't work when I've tried this hard, it ain't going to work. Do you ever feel like that? Oh, my friend, no matter how you feel right now, no matter what the circumstance looks like right now, no matter how opaque your circumstance might be, you are, you are, in fact, ashray. You are blessed. You need to get a hold of that. Even if you feel like you failed in every way. No, you are. You are blessed. Get a hold of that. I'm sure, too, that if you hunger and thirst after righteousness the other way, you also get blessed. But you're blessed because God blesses you, not because you've been so faithful. Did you get that? This isn't the condition upon which the blessing falls on you. Because God's blessing is going to fall on you whether it looks like it or not. It's not dependent upon that. It's dependent upon what God is and wants to do in your life. All right, let's go to the next one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And I realize that in some ways, you know, when you're merciful, it does sometimes encourage other people to be more merciful to you. I'm sure you all experienced that some. I'm not gainsaying that. And I'm not sure that's what this is actually saying here in this case. It's more like <clears throat> what usually happens if you're merciful. What usually happens in this broken, sinful world? Can you tell me what usually happens if you're merciful? That's exactly right. If you're merciful, you'll probably get taken advantage of. That's the way it works in this world. And have you ever been to the place where you have been? You mean, after I have done this and 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 this. And this is what I get for it? You ever been there? You ever been there? You mean, after all I have done, and this is what I get for it. Well, I guess I'll not do that again. You can just, you know, oh, no. No, no, no. Hold on. The kingdom of heaven is not like that. No, the kingdom of heaven is not based on that. Not based on that at all. Just zoom out. Just zoom out. And no matter what it looks like today, no matter how badly you have been taken advantage of, no matter how unfair the whole thing is, folks, you are ashray. It just does not matter that someone has done all those nasties to you. It's just peanuts. It's pocket change. You think you're up against it tough. No, you're not. Back off. You are ashray. You ought to know that. Yeah, sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And yes, I know that if a person was actually pure, sinless, he would need no redemption and he would see God. Do we have anybody like that here? No? Okay, so that disqualifies all of you. Okay? All right. No, you're not going to get to see God because you were so pure in heart. Get that? Being pure in heart is fine. That's good. You should be. You know, you try to be. But you don't get to see God because you are pure in heart. 
That's not the condition upon which you're made pure in heart through Jesus. And then under that circumstance, you can see God. Praise God for that. That's all a part of the blessing. That's all a part of the ashray. That's all a part of what God has done for you despite your failures, despite the fact that you're a bunch of derelicts. Right? By the way, this word pure here probably doesn't mean pure like we think. Uh, This word pure, again, would be a Hebrew word that would possibly best be, probably somewhat better be translated, at least you would get the idea maybe clearer, uh, consecrated or set apart. As the temple vessels were purified or consecrated, set apart, made separate for a specific purpose. That's what the word means. Blessed are the pure or the set apart or the ones who have been set aside for something special. Again, have you ever been, have you ever felt like you have done your very, very best to be consecrated? And you find it doesn't cut. It just doesn't make the grade. You couldn't be holy enough. You couldn't be pure enough. You couldn't be awesome enough. And you feel like an utter failure. Well, yeah, that's kingdom. You're going to meet those days. But Ashrei, you are blessed anyhow. You are, you are blessed. Even if you feel like you've been closeted. Even if you've been, you felt like I've been stashed away and I, and I, and I'm so set apart and yet I have nothing for it. Uh, zoom out. It's better than that. Blessed are the peacemakers. Again, you know, yes, it's true. If you make peace, maybe somebody will make peace for you. But not so often, is it? What do peacemakers actually get for their peacemaking? You know how it is in this world, right? You know, I'm sort of a peacemaker too, so I kind of have experienced some of this. I love to make peace because because I hate the turmoil. I wish people could just get along. I wish they wouldn't fight. It hurts me when, when they fight, and I want to make peace. That's why I do it. And sometimes I go to greater lengths to make peace than, than, you know, some other people. And you know what? So often it just fails anyhow. And so often I feel like, Lord, why did I even do it? It doesn't work. No matter what I say, they want to fight. Have you ever been there? Any peacemakers in this crowd? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Get your hands up there. Okay, at least I have some people are listening. Friends. Even if you're wore out being a peacemaker, even if you feel like, I have given and given and given and I have, I have tried to pull the pieces together, and it is so obtuse it just never will come together. Ah, peacemakers get there often. I'm telling you, they do. Ashray. Zoom out. It's not based upon your work as a peacemaker. Peacemaking is great. Keep on doing it. God bless you for that. But you aren't going to be blessed specifically because of all of your labor. 
You know what's going to happen because of all your labor? You're going to be wore out. Nevertheless, it's worth it. Because you are blessed. You are ushering. The kingdom of God is bigger than you. It's beyond you in every way. And you cannot overspend yourself. Tongue in cheek there a little. Yes, you can overspend yourself a little. They call that burnout. But when you overspend yourself and you burn out, let me remind you, it's because you have done it on your own strength. I know, I've been there. I did it myself, so burned out. But it's not because of this. It's because I did it myself. If instead I would have zoomed out and I would have realized that because of the kingdom of heaven, I am blessed overboard. And that it's not my, it doesn't hang on me. God is doing something and I'm a part of it and I'm blessed being a part of it. Whether it works or not, then you won't burn out so quick. I mean, really, if you really get this, this makes you unstoppable. This makes you incredible. This makes you invincible. Oh, yeah, I know. We all fail. I'm being a pretty high standard here. Am am I not? Who could live this? None of you. I can't. You can't. Brother Earl can't. Even if he is your pastor. Or maybe it's the deacon instead of a guy. <laughs> He's your leader. He ought to be the example of the believers, right? Well, guess what? You know, he fails too. We all do. But it isn't because of the kingdom. And it isn't because, it isn't because we haven't met the conditions of the kingdom. It's because we have lost sight of the kingdom. You get that? You see, when you realize that God is here, He's alive, He's doing, He's He's converting the soul. He's changing us moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, incident by incident. He is bringing us a blessing, whether it looks like it or not. You're blessed whether it looks like it or not. Yeah. When you know that, when you know that, You're not quenchable. Nothing, nothing can stop you. That's awesome. This is Kingdom 101. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. How is that a blessing? Whether it looks like it or not. You're blessed even if you run out of the house at home. If you live if you lived in Iraq and ISIS came and you're turned out, you flee for your life. You've nowhere to go? Well, if you're part of the kingdom, you're still blessed. Am I right, Mary? Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of those folks over there don't really know what the kingdom's all about. And therefore, they don't experience this. 
because they haven't plugged into the kingdom. But those who have found the kingdom are blessed. Regardless of the circumstance. Regardless. Blessed are you when men shall I missed a little bit here. I'll persecute it for righteousness sake and for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You see, it doesn't really matter if you lose everything in this world, if you lose your home, your business, your money, even your children. If you lose all of that, friends, what's that compared to the kingdom of heaven? Do you see how the kingdom of heaven so far excels everything that really nothing else matters? The rest is all pocket change. The kingdom of heaven is what supersedes everything. So when men shall revile you, that means saying really nasty things about you. And they shall say all manner of evil against you and persecute you and, and lie about you. Does anybody, how many of you have been lied about? Does that feel good? You got blessed? <laughs> you didn't get blessed because people lied about you, did you? No. Well, you're not blessed because people lie about you. You are blessed in spite of the fact that they lied about you. Is this making sense to you? Are you getting that? You see, the kingdom of heaven is over and beyond anything you can ever experience. And you are blessed regardless. You should rejoice. And be exceeding glad. Not so much for the persecution. Not so much for the evil that they said about you. I don't know if you can rejoice about all those things. But you rejoice and you're exceeding glad. Why? Why? Interactive? For your reward is great. You're not going to be rewarded specifically because somebody lied about you, I don't think. I don't really think so. Your reward is going to be exceedingly great because God loved you. And He loved you so much that He gave His only Son for you. And He gave everything that applies to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Whether or not you're worthy of it. It's been provided for you. You've been given everything. You've been given the whole world and more. Your ashray. Regardless of what it looks like. And to some degree, it's always been this way. They did that to the prophets too. They persecuted the prophets which have been before you. They didn't take Jeremiah seriously always. They put him in a dungeon. After he spoke the word of the Lord unto them. And they gave him crumbs and dirty water to drink. After he spoke the word of the Lord unto them. Yeah. That's the way it works. But, regardless of all of these things, you are blessed. You are blessed. You need to get a hold of that. And if you can't get a hold of that, you've missed point one. Square one. Square one in the kingdom. Lesson 101. You are blessed. That's how you will become the salt of the earth. 
That's how you will become this differentiating element in this world. Because it is God that worketh in you. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. Oh, there are so many other things we could look at this morning. But these things are all here for us to get a grip of the first basic principle that no matter what happens to you, you're on to it. You're blessed. This will transform your life. Jesus said himself, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full, full blown. I wonder how many Christians today actually live there. Where the joy of Jesus Christ is in you and full. You know what? So many times we run around half empty. Huh? Is that true? Am I too critical? How many of you feel half empty some of the time? Yeah. We all do. But whether it looks like it or feels like it or whether your circumstance is like it or not, here's the thing that you must remember if you're a child of God, if you want to make it with Jesus Christ, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, the one thing you have to remember basic root bottom first line is you are blessed you are ashray not necessarily dependent upon your performance although your perform i'm not saying a performance is important but you see that's not the foundation that's not the way it comes your performance comes because you are blessed now, naturally, I'm not, I, I want you to understand, I don't mean to say that in performance isn't important. Because if it doesn't bear fruit unto righteousness, it's not real. Okay? That's balancing scripture. But it doesn't come because you have been so good. You are good because you have been blessed. Don't get the cart ahead of the horse. Do you know why so many people fail today? Do you know why? Well, it tells us in Romans. I'm going to read that to you. In Romans it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified not him not as God. Neither were thankful. Do you know what happens when you miss this point, Ashray? Do you know what happens? If you miss this point, you will miss glorifying God. Guaranteed. You understand? This is point one. If you miss this, you won't be glorifying God the way you ought to be. And you won't be thankful like you ought to be. And you know what follows that? You will become vain in your imagination. And your foolish heart will be darkened. And you will profess yourselves to be wise while all the time you're becoming fools. And you will change the glory of God into incorruptible things. You will water down the greatness of God. And you will make God like you and things. And you will worship the creature 
instead of the Creator who is blessed forevermore. That's a steep downhill. You don't want to miss this. Now, just to sort of give you a little bit more perspective on this yet. uh, We have a long, long, long list of people who have gone before and have found this to be true. Just in case you think this sounds like like idealism. Yeah, I know. It does sound a little idealistic. Okay. Yeah, I got that. But just in case you think it's too idealistic, let me take you to Hebrews 11 for a moment. And you look at these people in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, who by faith, in spite of the things that didn't look like it, they believed They had Ashrei. Abraham believed God even if he didn't have a son. It didn't look like he was blessed. God said, hey Abraham, I'm going to bless you above all people and I'm going to make your seed like the stars of the heaven and and, uh, as the sand of the sea for multitude. And how many sons did did, uh, Abraham have? Not one. What an empty, we would call it an empty promise. If you go by the way things look, Abraham should have said, right God, you didn't even give me one. That's how we would often do. We'd say, yeah, right. You're gonna make my, my, you're gonna make my descendants like the sand of the sea. I don't even have one. How's it going to be the sand of the sea? That's ridiculous. Ah, yeah. That's doing the things the human way, isn't it? That's doing things the human way. But when you believe God, and you really believe that God means what he says, then you know that you are blessed if it doesn't look like it, you're blessed. And you can rejoice like Abraham rejoiced. Even if you don't have a son, you can say, Amen, God, Amen. I'll take that. I believe you. And he became the father of faith. Hebrews 11, you know the chapter. I'm not going to go over all of them. We have Abraham, we have Noah, we have Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. And then all those at the end of the chapter who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained the promises and stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the violence of fire and escaped the edge of the sword and out of weakness were made strong and waxed valiant in fight and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Yeah, because they believed. And we also have others who had trial of cruel mockings and scourging and bonds and imprisonments. And they were stoned. Is that a blessing? Doesn't look like it, does it? They were sawn asunder. Ooh. That's really getting gory. And they were tempted and they were slain with a sword and they were destitute and they wandered in, around in, in skins because they had no other clothes available, I guess. They were afflicted and tormented. Uh, but they believed God. 
And they were worthy in God's sight. Ah, oh, they were worthy. They were more worthy than this world deserves to have. And God took them out of this world. Because they believed. Because they believed no matter what it looks like. No matter what their experience. No matter how obtuse the circumstance. Ah, they knew they had something better. And they lived for it. Nothing mattered so much as being a part of the kingdom of God. Folks, do you live passionately that way? Do you live like that? Do I live like that? Maybe you're thinking, how can I do that? Maybe you're thinking, well, that all sounds good, but how do I get a hold of it? I mean, I was really pretty discouraged last week. Uh, yeah. Are you not a little bit like Peter? And Jesus says, come. And you step out on the water. And all of a sudden you're back to your own troubles again. And the waves are crashing around you. Ah, oh, it's pretty scary. And you start to sink. Now, thanks for that devotions this morning. That fits right in here real nicely, David. But I tell you, God only allows those things to happen to bring you to, to terms with him. To bring you back to see again. No matter how it looks, you may be blessed. Or in spite of the way it looks. Ashray. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. That is perfectly awesome. That we should be the offspring of God. Perfectly awesome. I'll tell you something. Every man who really has this hope in him, everyone who really gets a hold of this principle, everyone who really sees this for what it is, you know what? He purifies himself. He sets himself apart. He lives for this cause and this cause alone. He also becomes pure in his business dealings and all that stuff. He's fair. He's pure that way too. But he's set apart. He's set aside. He has <clears throat> abandoned, if I may say, the things of this world. This stuff here just doesn't matter anymore. I don't know what you faced this morning. I don't know what you faced last week. It doesn't really matter. But if you've caught the message that I've brought you this morning, you know in your heart it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just like it's all swept away. And you've got a clean slate. Because nothing else matters. This is the overwhelming, overarching, overspreading glory 
of God. And to be a part of that glory is my earnest desire. And I tell you, if you know that, then you also live like it. I think I'll just stop there. Thank you.